Welcome to Unprofessional and Unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week we talk about an ugly end of the week for the tribe, the long-awaited end of the first round of the NBA playoffs, and we continue to do our part to end the pandemic by helping America reopen. Things will be a little bit different tonight. Due to family obligations, I am down to only one of the best ever. My dear friend, Phil Denko, how are you doing tonight? Hi, Gerbs. It just dawned on me that uh, I'm going to get the opening question and every question after that, aren't I? You are. Yeah, <laughs> All right. That's it. All the Excellent. scales, <laughs> everything, <God>. man. <laughs> this is going to challenge your editing, you. your editing skill. <laughs> no, it's not. I, I think it'll be easier. So why don't we start with you? <laughs> Damn it. What are the chances? Uh, scientists recently determined that the longest a human can live is 150 years. A group of scientists in Singapore looked at how well the human body bounces back from disease, accidents, and other things that put stress on the body's systems. This basic resilience declines as people age, with an 80-year-old requiring three times as long to recover from stresses as a 40-year-old. So, good news. We are still in the first third of our potential lives. Nice. Bad news. The new research validates the idea that humans start dying from the moment we're born. And the process seems to speed up significantly somewhere in the mid thirties to the mid forties when the body's resilience starts to decline more steeply. So Phil is knowing that you may have another 106 years to go exciting or absolutely exhausting. I'm going to lean towards exciting as a Cleveland sports fan, because I feel like that in in increases our <laughs> chances of seeing a championship that isn't the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? Give me 106 years. <laughs> Maybe the Browns will win a couple Super Bowls. I don't know. That's fantastic. I think you're right. I would have actually gone with exhausting, but it, now it that is exhausting, but yeah, you pointed yeah. out the math of just creating more opportunities for a Cleveland team to win another title uh, is pretty good. So speaking of Cleveland teams. Why don't we just dive into our first segment? We'll stay at home, start as always with our tribe week cap in what I would describe as an interrupted week for the tribe. Weather and scheduling derailed what was a nice start. They took two of three from the White Sox at the beginning of the week. Then they had another rain out, a scheduled day off. And for some reason, I think those two days off in a row kind of did something to the team because they looked uncomfortable in the game against Baltimore on Friday night. They played a really good game on Saturday. And then everything that could go wrong did this afternoon. Uh, the Indians lost a baseball game 18 to five today. So their record to end the week is 31 and 26. They're four games behind the Sox. And we were talking a little before we started the show, Phil, that they really should not have been losing games like this to the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles actually have a pretty good offense. It's most offensive categories they're ranked in like the top 10, top 15 of all of baseball, but their pitching and defense are atrocious and the Indians could do nothing to capitalize on that. What happened to the tribe this weekend? I don't know what happened this weekend. I, I was pretty excited as, you know, as we finished recording last weekend and we were looking forward to four straight games against the White Sox, like, wow, to take, to take two of the first three and all of a sudden we're two and a half games out uh, and we've got another game scheduled right and I think maybe I'm wrong I thought that last game was the rain out was did Bieber pitch against the White Sox he did didn't he he did I, I forget how the, the day game yeah. I thought okay we've got a decent it was maybe it was Savali and, and I yeah. thought we had a decent matchup I'm like okay maybe we yeah. take three out of four here and yeah. really and that would really be great put us right at the top again and the rain out's fine you know it happens I still feel like all right great we, we took two out of three against the White Sox and now we're going to Baltimore against a team that we, we've just got to take two out of three against those teams with losing records we have to yeah and um even if you're on the road yeah, even yeah if you're on absolutely. the road you still should take two two of three of those games and they really could have they lost the opener won the middle game and then got destroyed today right I, yeah I, if I remember correctly the opener they could have had that game like that was there was that weird call with the it could have been fan interference yes. on the home run we were up with, one nothing right yeah with Eddie yeah. Rosario out there yeah and was, that we, was that was where that game got lost where it got away unfortunately but so that, that's a good example to answer your question. We're winning a game one nothing. That is not a comfortable lead no matter when in the game it is, right? right. And, and any, any hit ties it or takes the lead. 
so we give that one up and then come back the next day and, and, and get a win. And then I was looking forward to today thinking like, okay, take the series, just go out yeah. there, take the series. They just gave up runs in chunks, like a five running, a six running. It was just terrible. And you weren't watching it, but I was. And the way that it was happening, it was, you know, a fly ball dropped in front of Harold Ramirez. Really? In center field. And I, I don't understand what he was doing. He looked like he was jogging to it. They had a play where the pitcher did not get to first base fast enough to make the out. And then somebody scored from third, like he wasn't paying enough attention. It was just one after another for one long inning of these just terrible mental mistakes and sloppy play that we've said before, we will say a hundred more times before this season is done. There is no margin of error for that team right. to play undisciplined, dumb baseball. They just the, don't have the ability to make up for that. And right. that's He's, what killed them today. And they're not, they're not getting charged with errors, but but anyone watching that game understands the lack of fundamental play, the the mental mistakes. And it's just, you potentially open up, okay, maybe it was a, maybe it was a one or two run inning. And all of a sudden it's a six run inning because yeah. you're giving, giving guys extra outs. And at the big leagues, you can't do that. It was an ugly game today. I hope that next week they have their heads screwed on a little bit tighter so that that doesn't happen again. Earlier in the week, our friend Karen check was accused of doctoring a ball by the White Sox. What do you think of that? Well, <laughs> um, I think it's probably more commonplace than we want to admit. Maybe there's so many legal, I guess, legal substances that can happen in a baseball game, right? Like pine tar is a legal substance, so it can be used on a bat and it could randomly end up on the ball. And then the ball happens to touch the pitcher. So the pitchers are just cutting out the middleman and putting the damn pine tar <laughs> on their glove, you know? And, and I don't know, like with all these analytics, like they've decided that certain substances like something like pine tar, that's actually, you would think that'd be the opposite of what you'd want, right? Like this is really sticky, but it, it increases the spin rate, right? So now all right. of a sudden these guys that are throwing mid nineties to hundred mile an hour, and you're throwing a slider at 93, if the spin rate increases, that ball is dropping off a, a, a table really quickly, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. You know, he was accused of it. I found it interesting. I read something from uh, Tito Francona. He, he he had a team meeting and basically said, listen, this is not who we are. I, I want everyone to be aware of what, what's happened. It was weird the way it was worded. I kept reading it over and over again. Instead of saying, we are not going to do this. He said, we don't want to be caught doing this. <laughs> I thought, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> what He's you, 100% what, right. <laughs> what are you telling these guys? Hey, if you're going to do this, don't be a don't dumbass about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's such a part of the game. Listen, you've got to constantly be policing for it. You don't want your guys getting caught doing it, but it has been a part of baseball for however long the game has been around. People have figured out that doctoring a ball is going to help a pitcher. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think it was really that big a deal. I think it's kind of funny that the White Sox, I think this is the second team they've called out for this this year. So La Russa and his guys are like making it, I don't know, their job to go out and nail down cheating pitchers against the White Sox. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. I think nothing really came of it. It's not like, it's not like the Albert Bell incident. They didn't confiscate Karen checks glove. They basically right. made the umpiring crew and MLB aware of it. So now he's going to be under more of a microscope, I guess, going forward. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't think there was any kind of investigation or any kind of mm. look into whether it was actually happening or not. So good on you, Larusa. Do you think we're going to make up this gap? with the White Sox. We've been hovering around this two to four to five game gap between the Indians and the White Sox and first place in the division. And it just never seems like even when we have a good week, never seem to make up any ground on these guys. We're playing them pretty well this year, head to head. So that's, yeah. that's, that's promising, right? Um, I was actually looking at beginning with this weekend, then over the next couple of weeks of the schedule thinking, Oh, we can really make up some ground here. Cause we have the Orioles like seven times we have, <laughs> we, we have a two game series against the Cardinals. And other than that, I think every team we play has a losing record over the next 14 days. Something. Yeah. All right. Now's the time to make up some ground. And here we are losing series to the Orioles. Yeah. So, yeah. So to answer your question, I, I now would be a good time to maybe, cut that lead but i don't know you're right we're, we're kind of just around that three to four games behind them you know maybe that doesn't matter at the end of the season if there's the, the wild card positions ours but but we got to stay at four games behind them then yeah so on to something a little bit more positive phil 
Bobby Bradley is here. Jake Bowers is not. Bobby Bradley joined the team on Saturday. Bowers was sent down for assignment. Bradley went into Sunday's game batting a thousand, but couldn't keep up that pace. He only went three for four today. So, Phil, how big a mistake did the tribe make letting Bowers go? <laughs> no scale for this? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, not a big mistake at all. I, I think we talked about this before the season started. Like, okay, you're going to give Bowers the first couple months of the season. And if he doesn't show us something completely opposite of what he's shown us up to this point, you got to move on. Yeah. They designated him to, for assignment. So that basically means he's been cut, right? Like he's, he, he'll clear waivers and he'll be a free agent and, and next week, but yeah, not a mistake to let him go. And even if Bradley came up and only hit like 400, <laughs> you know, what it would be really great, yeah. right? But hitting, yeah. He's hitting 800. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Bradley was originally called up in 2019 for about three weeks. Didn't make the team at all last year during the COVID season. Does he need to show that he belongs in the majors starting now? Yes, he is. He's not a super young anymore. I mean, I think he's in his right. mid 20s. All right, you're getting your shot now. And the fact that they sent Bowers away means he's not platooning either. Like you're going to get some at bats, be it at first base or DH. You're going to, I would imagine Bradley's going to play every day. Um, Until Fran Mill comes back, probably. Then, then the lineup changes some. But he might be your everyday first baseman then, you know, more than, more than DHing. I don't know. Um, I think he's either going to be first base or DH. Mm -hmm. And so if he's going to platoon with somebody, it'll, it'll be Naylor because Naylor has been playing a lot yeah. of first base. So it, I don't know if that's once Fran Mill comes back, if that's going to happen, but he's going to get a ton of at bats. He's so going he's to get at a least lot of got, playing time. Yeah. He's at least got another month of just being in the lineup and let's see what we got yeah. here. Um, you know what? So far, unlike every other guy we've called up this year, and I know it's only been two games, but he has taken advantage of this opportunity and has hit a ton. Like he just comes up and starts hitting great. We, we were worried about his, you know, thousand strikeouts a season and, and those kind of things, but you know, so far so good. All the other young guys that have come up immediately, went over their first three or four games right. and are yep. currently hitting 110. <laughs> You're talking about Owen Miller, I believe. Maybe. No yeah. names, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's time for him to make his move. We've been hearing about Bobby Bradley for five seasons now. You know, the, I guess maybe COVID makes things a little bit weird because he probably lost an opportunity in 2020 when he could have come up in the second half or when they expand rosters late in the year and gotten some real major league time then. Right. And he didn't, but there's really no reason why this guy shouldn't be an everyday player for this team. He's just got to show it and he's got to, he's got to hit. He can still strike out a bunch. Yeah. That's okay. Um, I don't think that's ever going away for that guy, but he needs to hit and he needs to hit for some power and man, could they use it? For the next month or so before Fran Mill gets back and man, could they use it even after he gets back? So I hope that this is the time that Bradley finally starts making that move and, and shows that he deserves to be on this team and, and he can be productive besides Bobby Bradley hitting 800. Who else had a good week for the tribe last week? Well, I'm going to give this to a guy that we're leaping over a lower bar here, but, but I thought this was important for, for both sides of, of both offense and defense. I, I think Bradley Zimmer had a good week. He had a hit at least one hit and a couple games he had two hits and he's batting at the end of the lineup. He had a hit in every single game that he played in this week, all, all but one, I think. And the time I saw him playing on defense, it's nice to see someone who has always been an outfielder. Yeah. The, the guy covers so much ground and he's yeah. just a good defensive player and we need that so bad. So the fact that he was actually getting a hit in every game as well, and at very least that means he's on base when the top of the order comes up. I, I think he had a, a really good week. Hopefully he can kind of stick with the team too, because on the defensive side of the ball, we need someone in the outfield that can cover ground and actually make plays. The rotating people in center field just is not working, right? It's not. I don't know if Harold Ramirez would make a good right fielder, but he's not getting the job done in center field. And I, I actually had Zimmer too, um, mm -hmm. because it's good to see him hit a little bit, man. That's fantastic. I also had uh, Jose Ramirez just continues to be awesome, carries a team and Phil Mayton. Um, has had some really rough outings this season coming out of the bullpen. He was lights out every time he made an appearance this week. He was really, really good. So I would include him on that list too. How about a bad week? 
So my bad week, I went with our buddy, James Karinchek for reasons we've already talked about being uh, um, accused of using a oh, being falsely yeah. accused yeah. means yeah. he had a right. bad week, Phil. Right. right. No, 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 <laughs> that, that was only, that only helped tip the scale. It added some stress to his week. He made three appearances this week. And in two of the three appearances, he gave up two to three runs. Uh, now, one of them, he actually got a save because he went in with a three run lead and they won the game six to five. But still like, oh, my God. Right. All right. You're giving up two runs. This is this is not what we need out of you at the end of the game. So he gave up uh, two runs and three runs in, in, in two of his appearances. And then the other appearance, he was only out there for an out. So, you know, I hope he kind of gets past this week. We, we need to see him getting back to putting zeros on the board, you, you know, whether yeah. he's the setup guy or certainly when you're the closer. But let, let's not give up two runs in that right. situation. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. Just just for good practice. Don't be giving up two runs like that. For a bad week, I had Eddie Rosario's comeback was exaggerated. Uh, We were so excited to see him finally start hitting the ball the week before last. And then this this past week, he was absolutely awful. Looked lost at the plate. Couldn't get a hit. I'm not sure he had more than a couple hits the entire week. So he had a pretty rough go of it. And that's a shame because, again, we need every bat possible. And that guy was brought in here to do a job. And for one week, he did it. He did it really well, and it was cool. But other than that, he has not done well and is not producing the way they need him to for this team to be successful. So next week is actually a strange week again, scheduling for the Tribe. It's kind of a light week. They have two off days. They've got the day off tomorrow, and they do the two-game series with the Cardinals uh, starts on Tuesday, and then they play a weekend series against the Mariners. So what are you looking forward to for this coming week? So it's a week where we only play five games, right? That's weird. Yeah. Um, are, are those all on the road? No, I think the Mariners, Mariners are at home. home. Yeah. So they, they go to St. Louis and they're staying. All right. So they're kind they of staying in this part of the country. Yeah. So a two game series, I guess. You, all right. Let's take one. Uh, you know, the, the Cardinals are a good team. Um, go in there and then get a split. The Mariners, that's another team that when they come to town, that's a team we should be taking two out of three from. And that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. Can we get with our kind of, shaky pitching staff right now or at least the starting rotation can we find three wins in the next five games that would keep us where we need to be for this week yeah i would really like to see them make up some ground on the white Sox. it it feels like you're looking at the schedule like you were saying earlier Mm -hmm. and there are opportunities here and they gotta start taking them or else they're gonna keep slipping slowly but surely slipping back and they're not going to be able to make up that ground, even if they get Fran Mill back. And even once the pitching staff gets healthy again, you know, that that could be a slow death of a season for the yeah. Indians if it yeah. goes like that. So I'd like to see same thing. Take a game against the Cardinals. That's a good team. That would be a good quality win if they can pull that out and and do some damage against the Mariners and, and see if we can't cut into the White Sox lead a little bit. But enough Indians talk. There's actually Browns news. All right. This week, Phil, we are less than 100 days from kickoff of the NFL season. Ah, that sounds good. In fake news, Miles Garrett <laughs> clearly listens to the show because Absolutely. after we discussed <laughs> the fact that he shouldn't be dunking on nerds and risking injury during the offseason, <laughs> he announced this week that he's retiring from basketball. That was pretty great. In real news, OTAs have been going on. And from all reporting and all signs, Delpit and Greedy Williams are both reportedly at 100% and over their injuries. Bringing those two guys back at 100%, adding them to what's already a part of the team now because of all of the offseason moves in the draft, are either of those guys starters on next year's team? Maybe Del Pitt. I, I think Greedy, and this is a great situation to be in, for, for the part of the team that was such a thin and and the back end of our defense was so poor last year it, it's also a part of any nfl team that gets hurt a lot through the season you, you know you're yeah. gonna you're gonna get guys missing three and four games and, and these kind of things so the depth if these guys are healthy the depth is huge but to answer your question i think delpit could find himself in a starting role at, at safety i think greedy is probably which is Again, great. If he's healthy, Greedy might be the third corner. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to comment on this a little bit because I feel like they're going to run a defense where they have, they might play with five defensive backs, given the type of player. Like John Johnson is basically a, a, a tweener, right? He's a, he's a strong safety, but he's kind of that, he's going to come up and play a, a linebacker right. position kind of thing. And, and we're going to play that kind of umbrella defense where, because now we've got the athletes and 
guys that can make tackles. So you might see four and five DBs, so to speak, yeah. on the field at any given time. Even with that many guys on the field, I think it might be hard for these guys to crack the starting lineup. Which because they've great, just added yeah. so much yeah. talent. And you're right. That's the thing is a year ago, we needed these guys on the field mm-hmm. to provide some like real talent in the secondary and, and to solidify that defense. And we didn't have them. And the pass defense for most of the season was pretty poor. One year later to be saying, hey, they're back. They're healthy. That's great. But eh, I don't even know if they'll make the starting lineup now, man. That is a massive upgrade to that defense in that short a period of time, man. That's pretty exciting stuff. Uh, But with that, Phil, I think we've covered enough Cleveland sports for the night. So why don't we take our first break and we'll uh, head out on the road when we come back. Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by the Matt Miller School of Driving. Are you tired of driving like everyone else? Tired of the mainstream media and big transportation censoring your freedom to drive how you want? Are you ready to take your driving to the next level? Then you need the Matt Miller School of Driving, where exit ramps are on ramps, where the lines for parking spots are aspirational only, and where yellow lights mean slow down or time to act like an American. The Matt Miller School of Driving, protecting freedom of expression on the roads since 1993. Phil, welcome back. Segment two. (laughs) (laughs) We'll head out on the road. And I know that you've been diligently watching NBA playoff basketball. That's where we're going to start. But I'm going to run you through the last seven days of the end of the first round and the beginning of the second round of the NBA playoffs. So Monday night last week, the Wizards took their first step towards an improbable rally from down 3-0 to the 76ers by winning Monday night. On Tuesday night, the Suns took over their series with the Lakers with a 30-point win, and the Nets, averaging 500 points a game, ended the Celtics season. On Wednesday night, which was 4-1 to night, three different series ended. The Wizards' improbable rally ended already. 76ers beat them. Uh, the Hawks ended the Knicks' first playoff run since the Eisenhower administration, and Utah finished off the Grizzlies. Thursday night, the Suns made history, eliminating LeBron in the first round for the first time in his career. Friday night, Kawhi went for 45 to force a Game 7 against the Mavs. Saturday, Round 2 began in the nets Bucks series. The Nets' big three... Blake Griffin, Joe Harris, and Michael James combined for 50 points to get a win in game one. And on Sunday, the Clippers made me look silly. They eliminated Luka and the Mavs this afternoon in a game that really wasn't even as close as the score implied. Now, our colleagues at ESPN are already saying that this is the end of the LeBron Lakers dynasty after only two years. So, Phil, scale of one to five, one being Albert Einstein, five being our never-ending push-up challenge, how dumb is that particular take? That's a five. So pretty dumb. Yeah. <laughs> pretty dumb. Uh, and, and the reason being is this. They're going to say that now because they just got eliminated. And okay, LeBron's all of a sudden washed up and AD's going to be forever injured, I guess. I, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah, LeBron's old and he's probably not long for this league. But I could see him playing another three years, I guess, two or three years. AD's a stud and he'll be healthy. And I think that team adds another... They add their third piece in this offseason, be it someone like like a, a Damian Lillard or who knows, like someone else, because they're going to look across the, the conferences and say, OK, it looks like the Nets are the team to beat yep. now. So mm-hmm. who's our third piece? And they'll go out and get it. It's the NBA. Some star is going to go to the Lakers in this offseason. I just think it's so situational. AD was hurt. Mm-hmm. He couldn't, he couldn't mm-hmm. play. I don't think LeBron is the same guy, obviously, that he was in 2015, where he could get the Cavs into the finals, even though Kyrie and Kevin Love were both injured. Right. And he could take the Warriors to six games mm-hmm. w- without the other two centerpieces of the team there. I don't know if LeBron is quite that dominant anymore. I don't know if this Lakers team had enough other pieces around where once AD got hurt, there, somebody else was going to step up. I just didn't see that. In the end, when, when AD was playing and he was healthy, I don't think the Suns had a chance in this series. I, and the Suns are really good, but I think that the Lakers were going to win that. And it's, to say, oh, this is the end just because they got beat 
seems to me a, a little bit of an exaggeration because I mean, I'm going to put it on the, uh, our never ending up challenge end of the scale. I'm going to give it a five as well. I think you're exactly right. I, I think they get healthy. Uh, I think they retool. And I actually think this is one of those situations where they probably weren't going to make a run this season to the title with AD injured. Right. So they lose this series, they go home, they just get to rest. Mm -hmm. and, and they had such a short rest from the end of last season to the beginning of this one. I think they're going to be fine. I think they'll probably be the team to beat in the West next season. Bucks versus Nets was a really good game to start the second round. Uh, the Nets pull out a win in game one, but they lose Harden to a hamstring injury. He's at least out for sure in game two. Uh, no reporting yet about how much longer he'll be out. The over-under for game one, 239 and a half points. <laughs> defense, defense. <laughs> Do you think that drops 20 points if James Harden isn't playing? Because might, the yeah, I, I could see that. Although, yeah, I, I do not only due to my obligation, I watched, I think, three of the four quarters of that game oh, uh, wow. yesterday. Yeah, nice right. work. Yeah, it was it was it was awful. <laughs> no, it was good. It was actually a good game. It was the Bucks to me are an interesting team because they have one of the best players on the planet on their team, and then a bunch of good players ar around yeah. him. Whereas the the Nets have three of arguably the best scorers in the league right now. The times I've watched them play in in this postseason, it seems to me, and I'm not really paying close attention, and I'm kind of dozing off sometimes and waking yeah. up again, like, oh, there's still five minutes left. All right, let's watch this. <laughs> uh, it seems to me that team does better when two of their big three are on the floor at any given time rather than all three of them. As much as I don't want to see James Harden get hurt because I want to see him out there and let's see what this team's like, they, they didn't miss a beat. Like that team, they score so quickly. It's insane. I, I was watching the Bucks eke into the, that game yesterday and, and find themselves down five or six at, at the end of the second quarter, at the end of the third quarter. I, I think there was a minute and two seconds left in the third quarter and it was a, a six point game. And the third quarter ended and the Nets were up 14. I was like, what, like, what just happened? <laughs> like it's, and, and that's just how potent their scoring is. So, uh, you know, I could see the over under dropping because Harden's not out there, but man, that team can score. And you got guys like Blake Griffin coming off the bench scoring points uh, that they're going to score a lot of points. Well, I'm not sure they can count on Blake Griffin giving them 20 no. plus every game, but it was nice that it came out in game one. And he played as well as he did. Do you think the Nets can win this series if Harden doesn't play? I do. Based on what I just said, like I, I, yeah, you would think that a team losing one of their big three, that's usually, all right, it's a disaster, especially as you get deeper in the playoffs. Cause now you're playing against a team that probably also has some really top tier players on it. And they, they are in the bucks, but I don't know where the points are coming for Milwaukee. If, Kyrie Irving and KD and their supporting cast score like they did in yesterday's game. It's just, mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like when the other team is eking into the game, they're like, all right, let, let, all right, let's quit messing around. Let's, let's drop a couple threes. Let's go to the rim once or twice, get fouled. And all of a sudden it's a nine point swing in less than the shot clock. <laughs> I was like, what just happened? Yeah. That's interesting, man. I can't believe it would be possible for them to be a, a team as good as the Bucks without one of their key guys. It seems to me that the Bucks should just just based on their depth and their ability be able to beat a team that's missing one of its key pieces. But but I don't know. I mean I, I would have thought if Harden got injured in game one and I think he got hurt early in the game. He did. Yeah he did. Um that Milwaukee should have run away with that and they obviously did not. And so here's a here's a part of the Nets that no one's talking about and understandably so, but Lopez down low for them is huge. Like he's yeah. a matchup problem. So on that team where you have nothing but some of the best shooters on the planet, he's doing all the dirty work underneath. He's getting offensive rebounds. He's getting defensive rebounds. And he's just kicking out to guys like Kyrie and KD and yeah. they're hitting their shots. Milwaukee doesn't have an answer. He, Giannis can't guard KD and Lopez. So he's got to pick one. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and they just don't have an answer. And I think that could be the difference in the series. Wow. The Nets Bucks series comes down to uh, Brooke Lopez. Did not <laughs> see that coming. <laughs> he didn't even have a 40. Uh, <laughs> we will have plenty of opportunities over the next, I think, two and a half, three weeks to talk about round two of the NBA playoffs, but we've actually got some real NFL news. So we're going to move off of the NBA, move on to the NFL. The Julio Jones trade went down today. Uh, Jones traded from Atlanta to the Tennessee Titans 
for a 2022 second round pick and a 2023 fourth round pick. Are you surprised that's all the Titans had to give up to get Julio Jones? Yes. I mean, a second round pick's a high pick these days, but at the same time, like Julio Jones is a monster. And he's not really falling off of late, right? Like he is, I get it. He he's he was hurt last year. He only yeah. I think he only played nine games or eight games or something like that last year. So but it's it's not like he, you know, when he when he's been healthy, the guy is a stud. He is an absolute stud wide receiver and that kind of wide receiver that any team wants, right? He's a matchup disaster for most defenses. When they started talking about this rumor uh going into the weekend, I thought for sure I'm like, all right, Tennessee's gonna have to give up a first round pick, a first round pick. And, and probably have to get a pick back to make it all work out, but a late round pick, whatever, to get Julio Jones. And when they said a second and fourth, I, I kept thinking, and, and here we are in Cleveland, enjoying our embarrassment of riches, right? I kept thinking, like, yeah. well, why didn't we trade a second and fourth round pick <laughs> to get that guy? Because how, how awesome would our receiving core be with Julio Jones? <laughs> You're playing Madden now I know, with the I Browns. Know. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but but really be ashamed what, of yourself for being that greedy. I, I know it, 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 it's bad. And, and I get it. Like the, the other part of it is the salary cap issues, right? So I, I think that the trade went down today, but they couldn't finalize it because the Julio Jones being added to Tennessee's roster actually puts them well over the salary cap. So they got to cut some guys and then they can finalize the trade, but it's yeah. all agreed upon. When I saw that it actually happened, that was my first thought. And I didn't get mm-hmm. a chance to look into that part of it at all, but how in the hell do they fit this guy under their cap? Because I think that was the issue that I thought would have kept this from happening was it's just too much money and nobody's got 23 million in cap space just kicking around I can't wait to see who Tennessee cuts man (laughs) (laughs) how many dudes do they need to cut to bring him in that's pretty funny when they they cut Henry and Tannehill the the fan base (laughs) like wait a minute I don't know if this is a good idea Uh, we should sign Henry and <laughs> yeah, run right. the wishbone. Run <laughs> yeah, the <right>. wishbone <laughs> with, with Chubb and Hunt and Derrick Henry. <laughs> We'd be awesome. <laughs> Unstoppable. <laughs> Overall, what do you think this means for a Titans team that won the AFC South last season, lost in the wild card to the Ravens, but made it all the way to the AFC championship game against the Chiefs the season before that? Yeah, I think this puts them right back squarely into the mix of if there's three or four teams in the AFC that you would think those are your teams, one of those three or four are going to win the, the AFC championship and, and puts them right back there. Right. Like they, that was a piece they, they didn't have. And now they do. They've added some things to their defense too. Uh, interestingly enough, I, I, they signed what's his name from the Steelers who was hurt all last year. And he's a stud player. Um, oh, the linebacker, Bud, Bud Dupree. Yeah. Bud yeah, Dupree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if he's healthy, like they did sure up their defense a bit. Uh, and, and like you said, they've been a good team these last couple of years anyway. Right. So you got to think they're probably coming out of their division, you know, so it's Tennessee, Kansas city, Baltimore, Buffalo, Buffalo and Cleveland. Like there's your five teams. Yeah. And yeah. I put Cleveland there last on purpose. Cause it just sounds weird for me to say that but but quite honestly cleveland probably bumped them up above maybe buffalo even or maybe baltimore i don't know but there's your top five in the afc right now it's strange that the patriots don't get mentioned in the top five how long has it been since you know that was just a given that they would always be one of the top teams but or i think you're right or the steelers right yeah yeah and i don't know man like i'm always a little bit nervous like do the steelers still have something in the tank for next year or are, are they going to finally like stumble a little bit after, you know, 20 years or so of being good, 18 years or so of being good? I'm not sure. I think but- Roethlisberger's arm is going to fall off like mid season and just be like, <laughs> this is, <laughs> and then they had to bring what Dwayne Haskins in. <laughs> like that's their back. Like, All right. <laughs> uh, so I, I agree with you though on the, on the Titans though. I think this puts them into that category of the chiefs, the bills, the Ravens mm-hmm. with, teams like the Browns, like knocking on the door to get into that group too. I guess maybe the one thing I would say that might keep the Titans out of that group is I don't think you can put (laughs) Tannehill in the same category as Lamar Jackson and that kid Allen that Buffalo has, or even at this point, our quarterback, whose name is Baker. Mayfield. It is (laughs) Baker Mayfield. So, so those top five teams we just mentioned, I I think you put Tannehill's the fifth best quarterback. Right. And that matters when you get mm-hmm. into the playoffs, man, that matters. You, you and, I mean, at least you feel more comfortable going into a game, believing that you've got, your team has the best quarterback. 
until sure. you until he proves otherwise, you're going to put Baker as the fourth best quarterback in that list. Yep. But I think this is the year that he proves that, okay, I'm not Patrick Mahomes, but I can hang with Lamar Jackson. I can hang with Allen. I could, we can win these games. Yeah. Do you want to head back home and do some more talk about the Browns and no, Baker no, Mayfield? No. no. Should we stay out on the we, road? We'll probably, we'll probably talk about the Browns a lot. <laughs> in, <laughs> yeah. in We've fall. only got a hundred days to get ready. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> it's almost right. time for the season. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, enough NFL talk. Why don't we hit real quick? One last topic before we take our final break and head off the field. Coach K is retiring from his current job. He announced that he was leaving college basketball at the end of next season. So he'll coach one more season. He was an impressive 72 and 59 for his career as the coach at West Point. I guess there was some other stuff he did, but nothing's really noteworthy or nothing really jumps off the page since he left coaching at the Army's College there. Do you think Duke basketball is done? with coach K retiring. This was interesting. I saw this hit the news this week and I almost expected right after it came across the crawl on ESPN that they would have already named his successor. And I was surprised that they didn't have, they named his successor. I think they did. It's, it's a, it's a former Duke player who is one of his assistants. And I have no clue what the dude's name is. If it's but not yeah, Danny Ferry, they're screwed. It <laughs> is not, it's oh. not Danny Ferry. It's not, uh, Wojciechowski or whoever that <laughs> yeah. dude was. Yeah, right, um, right. It's actually none of the super annoying dudes you've hated every time Duke has, you know, played a basketball yeah. game on national TV. I don't think Duke basketball is done. It's all about recruiting, right? So Duke has become a one and done basketball program, which is very anti Shusevsky, to be honest with you. Like that, yeah. that's kind of weird. But they've become I'm impressed a one that you pronounced his whole name on the pod. I was too intimidated by it. I just went with Coach K. Yeah, I don't need to be stumbling over all those consonants and stuff in his name. The team can, the program can recruit for itself. I guess is where I'm going with this. Is is for now anyway? Like, let's see what happens here. It could be similar to to things, uh, and this would be great to get Berkey's take on it. But it could be similar to what the Ohio State football team has experienced, right? Like, you get you you move to a Ryan Day, you're like who? But their their recruiting has not taken yeah. a step back at all in fact it's it's even moved forward in some respects if the program continues to recruit for itself here in the next few years depending on who that successor is i don't think duke is done and as long as they're willing to take the one and done guys they're gonna they're gonna have good players at that on that team you may be right i hope you're wrong i would yeah, really I know, love for duke's basketball <laughs> program <wrong> <laughs> to yeah. basically yeah. become like a one double a yeah. uh, program i do think basketball's different I think mm -hmm. the head coaches matter a lot in it basketball does. where maybe they don't, especially for the recruiting part of it. Maybe they don't as much in football basketball team is just such a smaller group than a, than a football team. Uh, and so I think the coach weighs uh, has a lot more say on those guys and, and has a lot more to do with when they make their choice. You, you lose a guy like Shashevsky, And I think, I really do think that's going to be a hit for that program. I'm not sure they're the same. They haven't been that great. Yeah, right. The last yeah. few seasons anyway. They've so. had they've had really good talent, but they're all done in a year. So they don't develop any kind of sense yeah. of team. And they're yeah. just they're out early in the tournament if they if they even make it. Yeah. 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 Which is great. I want to yeah. keep seeing stuff like that happen. <laughs> That's right. Danko, why don't we take our final break? We'll head off the field. All right. Sounds good. Unprofessional and unprepared is brought to you by the following sponsor. Do you ever feel like you are getting great opportunities in life and in your career and you just want to ruin them? But you just don't know how to go about pissing away that opportunity and you want to do it in the most public way possible? What you need is the Dwayne Haskins Leadership and Mentoring Academy. By simply signing up for one of the Academy's affordable online classes, you can immediately start learning how to make immature and unprofessional decisions that are sure to cause your boss and everyone around you to question whether you should ever be put in a leadership position or paid lots of money to be the public face of the company. Dr. Haskins will also show you how to invest the money you have earned in a safe and secure place like strippers. The Academy's illustrious faculty, including Ryan Leaf, Derek Coleman, and Jamarcus Russell, will provide valuable insights and lessons to help you make sure you get out of that dream job with swag and sizzle. Carpe diem? Not a chance. Join the Dwayne Haskins Leadership and Mentoring Academy today. Phil, welcome back again. Hey, thanks. Segment three. <laughs> we'll go off the field. Last week, or maybe it was the week before, on HBO Max, the Friends reunion came out. 
17 years after the last episode aired. The Friends stat line, first episode was September 1994 during our senior year of high school. The final episode aired on May 6, 2004, the year we turned 40. The show was ranked in the top 10. <laughs> the show was ranked in the top 10 shows every year it was on, nominated for 62 Emmys. The finale was the most watched TV show of the 2000s. Somebody took the time to figure out that Joey still owes Chandler $119,000 for rent and other expenses that Chandler fronted. And somebody else did an analysis and decided that Monica's apartment would have cost at least $4,500 a month if it was located in New York City. So did you watch the reunion? I did not watch the reunion, no. Were you a fan of the show? I was. I, I was I was more of a Seinfeld fan at the same time. I, I preferred Seinfeld, but I watched Friends. I, I can't imagine I missed many episodes during its run. Okay, so the, the reunion was okay. I think it's really hard to put people in like a room together like that and film it and put it in mm -hmm. front of an audience and all that kind of stuff and not have at least some of it come out contrived. And yeah. so there was, there was some of that, I would say not in like a mean way. I think I've aged as well or better than basically everybody on that, in that cast. <laughs> um, and that's saying something, uh, I liked a couple things they did. They did a a couple segments of the show where they did table reads together of some of the really iconic scenes of the show. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was kind of cool to see them going through the script and playing their parts and stuff like that. I like that a lot. They have a real friendship. I think. Yeah, I think it's always been reported that they, they became very close friends while they were on the show together and they put their money where their mouth was by always negotiating together yeah. every season. So they all got paid the same amount, even when, you know, Jennifer Aniston could have made so much more money than mm -hmm. the rest of them. But so I buy that. And I did buy some of the parts where they talked about how, when they get together, if they haven't been together in a long time, they slip right back into being friends. And I buy that because obviously we yeah. we are all that way. We can um, relate to that. Sure. Yeah. It's worth watching. I wouldn't put it near, the top of my list, but I would like to spend a couple of minutes talking about friends with you, Phil, if that's all right. It. Yeah. So I think it's obvious that Joey is the best male character on the show. It really shouldn't be up for debate. So scale of Ross to Rachel, who is the best female character on the show? I'm going to go with Phoebe. Uh, she made me laugh more than anyone else. Uh, I mean, just her guitar on the couch, right? Singing smelly yeah. cat or whatever. Yep. She, like, she was the female Joey, right? Like she was the I laughed more at Phoebe and, and the other women on the show, they played their role. They did a, a great job at it, but she was the funniest. I think I was going to go with Phoebe too, for yeah. the same reason. Yeah. She was just, she made me laugh. She seemed Absolutely. like she'd be the most fun to hang out with. Ultimately, if you're breaking down the female characters, Phoebe's the best one to hang out with. Rachel's probably the one that you want to marry. And Monica is the one you hope does not marry one of your buddies because she might be like a pain in the ass wife. Uh, do you have a, a favorite episode or scene or anything that like sticks out oh, from man, the show? There, there were some good ones. I, 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 I love the, the Ross moving out of his apartment episode where they're just yelling pivot. And I guess at the time I could relate to it because we were in, like, I was moving between college to grad sure. school, moving yeah. to an apartment, whatever. And I'm like, yeah. this is funny. I'm, all, I'm, I'm begging dudes to help me move my couch. Yeah. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're doing the same thing. So that was good. And then uh, the Thanksgiving episode with, uh, with the, Brad Pitt. I think that, yeah, with Brad Pitt in that one, was that the same one where, where all of a sudden Joey had the turkey on his head? I don't remember because you know what? I think that they did a Thanksgiving episode almost every season. Yeah. Like all one, but like a couple of them they did. So there were a lot of Thanksgiving episodes. I, I guess loved, the Brad Pitt one was the, the most famous one. I don't know. I love the one when Joey had the turkey on his head. And then by the end of the episode, Monica had the turkey on her head. I thought that was, yeah. that was pretty yeah. good. All right, um, I remember that. And then later, later in their run, uh, what's his name? He's such a funny actor. Uh, he's in all the Marvel movies now as Ant-Man. Um, and he was in This Is 40. Uh, or yeah, and he was like Phoebe's, Phoebe's love boyfriend. interest in the show. Why, why yeah. can't I think of the actor's name? He, uh, he was in that kind of night, thank you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, uh, we got to go back to 40s, I think. Um, but anyway, like I, I thought he added a, a pretty cool, funny dynamic to it toward the end of the run, yeah. too. I think my all-time favorite friend scene is one where... 
Rachel and Monica are, are fighting over like a cheesecake and they're in the hallway <laughs> in between the apartments and they drop it on the ground and they're both like on the ground with the cheesecake. And Joey just walks up the steps, sits down and he pulls a pulls huge a spoon yeah. <laughs> out of his I jacket. Like yeah. he's just, he's always carrying around this big spoon. He's like, what are we eating? <laughs> Floor that, <food>. was, <laughs> yeah. that was, that was my favorite scene. It's Paul Rudd. It just came to me. Paul there Rudd. There you go. Yeah. yeah oh, you yeah. just looked it up. It just. I, you know what? I was typing it in. I was typing in <laughs> Ant Man, and as I typed in the word Ant, it came to me. Paul there Rudd. you go. Yeah. It, <laughs> so there are not a ton of things from our high school years or college years that are still popular with young people. But Friends is one mm. of the most streamed shows on Netflix. My daughter is 21 years old. She loves this show. What do you think it is about friends that, that keeps it going? Wow. You know, that's a good question. I, I feel good about that. I'm glad that the younger generation likes something like friends. Um, that's, that's great. I don't think I could pay my daughter to watch Seinfeld. Right. Right. You know, right. so I mean, but, and I would agree that I was always a bigger fan of that show than friends, but it, for whatever so, reason, this one, this maybe, one stays relevant where, where Seinfeld didn't. Maybe what friends did that other shows didn't at the time was it, it wasn't really tied into current events ever. It was just things that would occur in any group of friends, right? Like, and, and, and never really took itself too seriously. Sometimes they did, you know, there were some serious episodes, whatever, but, but really it was, this is just some stupid shit that comes up because here we are a bunch of six of us that are in our, I guess they were supposed to be in their, their mid to late twenties at that time you know, kind of navigating life together. Right. Yeah. And, and we can certainly relate to that. So that's something that, yeah, I could see how that doesn't necessarily age out. Right. Like that's, yeah, that's still happening. There's something universal about that time of your, your life and yeah. the group of people you're with that I guess somehow makes it relatable. It's also just a funny show. Yeah. I mean, listen, oh, yeah. it, it was well-written. They had well-written. The characters were great. Um, they couldn't have cast it any better, I don't think, right. um, than the way that they did. So if you have some downtime where there's nothing better to watch on TV, you won't be disappointed by watching the Friends reunion. Um, moving on, Phil, to our third segment in helping America reopen. Summer 2021, concerts are back. Nice. A lot of tours have been scheduled over the last couple of months as things started going towards reopening. Do you have a favorite summer concert you ever went to? God, this is this, this series that you have started these last three weeks. <laughs> this is like I'm running out of things to reopen no, too. No, no, I don't no. know if this might be the last one. Oh, we, we, you could do amusement parks. Yeah. You know, we, oh, we, yeah. that's a great we'll, idea. Yeah, we'll figure out some other ones, but I, you know, last week asking about the bar, I was like, wow, that is a hard question to answer. There's so many. And, and the concert I would put up there too, the, my favorite summer concert that that is hard i i i do you seen... want me to go so you have a few moments to think no 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 it's okay, okay. I, I i can rattle okay. through some of of the the top summer concerts i've been to i've been to several indoor summer concerts but really summer concerts like your outdoor venues be at sure. blossom or something like that or or down at um the nautica stage too so here here's an eclectic list for you at blossom smoking grooves tour uh, we were sophomores in college and a bunch of us got together and went down to smoking grooves tour. It was an all day concert, all hip hop all the time. And that particular year it had the Fugees. It had tribe called quest. It had Cypress Hill. It had Buster Rhymes was there. It had, it was a ridiculous list of people and it started and it was mid afternoon and it went all the way till two in the morning. Like, wow, that was an yeah. awesome concert. Like that, yeah. that was fun to be at for sure. But I've, I've seen, um, you know, in the summer, I've seen the Foo Fighters. I've seen some pretty good live shows down at Nautica stage two. What was a more recent one that was pretty good? I can't think of their names. Two brothers. They're out of like the Carolinas. It's kind of a, a bluegrass. Not the, right. not the Avid brothers. The Avid brothers. Yes. Thank oh, you. Oh man. Thank yeah. They're, man, they're really good. I am so glad I'm talking to you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> filling in the blanks. Um, yeah, yeah. They, so I went to a, a, a summer concert of theirs down at, at Nautica stage, which for the listeners who aren't familiar with, with the downtown Cleveland area is right on the river. It's, it's right downtown. It's not that big a venue, but it's no, such it's a not, great, no. yeah. it's such a great experience. And it was a summer concert. It was hotter than hell when we got there. And it was one of those summer nights that just 
torrential downpour happened, but that entire stage is undercover. It's open air, but there's, there's yeah, cover but to it. Yeah. You were looking outside and just saw a torrential downpour hitting the Cuyahoga River, and they were on stage playing for hours and hours. I'm like, ah, oh, this is such a good, this is such a good environment. That's a good right? scene. Yeah, yeah oh, that's man. a good it was, scene. That's it was cool. awesome. Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, a trip Tammy and I took to Ventura, California years ago. Chucky got us into a group called the Gaslight Anthem. We took a trip to the West Coast and we saw them in Ventura, which is a really cool little city in uh it's outside of la in mm-hmm. california but it feels like a small town in california which is really hard to find like california is just so massive but it was kind of a cool town and it was the first time we got to see gaslight headline a show we'd seen him open for somebody once before in vegas it was our first time seeing him headline the show it was in this cool old movie theater that had been converted into a concert hall and they took out all the seats and stuff like that. So it's all standing small place. I mean, maybe 4,000 people, 5,000 people, something like that. I mean, it was a, it was a small environment and it was cool and gaslight was awesome. And, but that whole experience of like being on the West coast, being in California, finding like a cool town that we had never been to before. That was really good. Why don't we run through some of the upcoming summer 2021 concerts We'll run back our bourbon scale. Okay. Do you need a refresher? Uh, one, bourbon one bourbon is bad. Bad. Five, Five bourbons, bourbons is good. Good. Okay. I'm on it. I'm on it. Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, and Joan Jett voted number one people watching in the crowd tour of the summer. Phil, how many bourbons for that lineup? Oh, I'm not going to lie. I would like to see that show. Like, I, I don't think I really want any of those groups were in their heyday i wasn't a huge fan of any of them right. but i i'm a fan of all of them i guess is a way to describe it right like i i like some motley crew music i like some poison i like some joan jet like this is yeah. def leppard are you kidding me uh drummer with one arm like that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> so uh, um that lineup as a I'm, I'm gonna give it four and a half bourbons man like i feel wow. like that is a show now that said i i did i'll be honest i did kind of step back into like 1989 phil so these guys are really old now so it it has yeah. potential to be a terrible show but that lineup yeah. alone like let all right let's go check it out all right i think four and a half is a bit aggressive i agree that there's a lot of nostalgia and when you put that many groups on one yeah. bill you never have to worry about them <laughs> Never had to worry about him playing too long. I'm going to give it like a three. Like I'm interested, but I'm not going out of my way. Next one, Zach Brown band comeback tour. Any idea what these guys are coming back from? I didn't know they had gone away. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah, why is this a comeback? Tour? Yeah, I don't know. Something must've happened. <laughs> How about Zach Brown band? Uh, me personally, that's probably a one bourbon. I, I, I don't know that I've, I think I've probably accidentally listened to some Zach Brown band on occasion, but I couldn't even tell you what they're genre is um that's like it's a country band so i I would give that one one a four i i I like i like the zach brown band yeah and i think they're probably a good concert like i think Mm. they've it's a it's a good vibe good party atmosphere would be my guess i bet they put on a good show i think they live in joe vaca's neighborhood so there might be a connection maybe you can get backstage or something as much as we love music on this pod i think i'd rather even though i gave that a low rating i'd rather go to that show because it's something new to me than going to the previous here's your 80s hair band show <laughs> well so Just, what are you saying are you are you changing your no i'm gonna stick with my vote okay I, 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 yeah it, it, it was just me personally. We're trying, to, we're trying to help America here, Phil, and you're making it a little bit more confusing than it needs to be. I do. I do what stick I with the scale. <laughs> stick with the scale. Stick with the scale. All right. Next one. Megadeth and Lamb of God voted most likely venue for me to be accused of being a narc. How many bourbons for that show, Phil? No bourbons. I, I yeah. am not going to a live concert of Megadeth and Lamb of God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm assuming Lamb of God is also like a death metal and, and it's, you know, ironic that yeah. they named themselves Lamb yeah. of God. Yeah. Whatever. As the, um, as the group's chaplain, uh, fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. I'm going to go zero bourbons too. I, I do not want to get near that place. Next one, the monkeys farewell tour. And this might've been an internet post from 1968. I'm not sure. I think half the band is dead. (laughs) How is this their farewell tour? I don't know. How many bourbons, Phil? Uh, I give that one zero bourbons as well. And I'm pretty sure half that band is deceased. And maybe their farewell tour is just someone playing taps the whole time. (laughs) This is no good. This is no good. Uh, I'm going to give it a one. I don't know. It might be fun. Uh, Next one. (laughs) 
an evening with Michael Bublé. And this concert tour kicks off in August in Jacksonville, Florida, which seems like a really weird place for Michael Bublé to play. Yeah. So I don't know where are you at on that one. Michael Bublé, it's just fun to say his name, but uh, at the same time, uh, he's had a couple good songs. I mean, he, you know, he's that, I'm going to give it a two bourbon. Like it's, it's not zero, but two. Okay. I if think I you're happen right. to be in town and he's there and yeah. someone hands me tickets, I'm going. <laughs> yeah. I, I give it a two. I think that if, I think my wife might like him. Yeah. And if she yeah. said, Hey, I want to go see this guy. Yeah. You're good. I don't right? think I'd be Absolutely. as upset as if she said she wanted to go to the mega death show. <laughs> <laughs> Next one, James Taylor and Jackson Brown are touring together. Uh, all concerts are set to start at six and will end promptly at 830. So everyone can drive home before it gets dark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> how, many, how many bourbons for James Taylor and Jackson Brown? Wow. I, I think uh, I'm going to give it one only because they're iconic, but at the same time, I think they're 85. <laughs> You yeah, know, so it's like, oh my god. I'm I'm gonna give it a one two. It's just not really my scene. I like to go to a concert and feel some energy, and I just yeah. feel like these guys are both amazing songwriters and singers and guitar players. But it's it's kind of a too mellow a vibe for me. Uh, moving on, the Celine Dion Courage Tour uh -oh. starts this summer. <laughs> Can you think of anybody braver than Celine Dion, Phil? <laughs> Only you, because you've attended her concert live. <laughs> That, that question was actually for Tom before I found out that he wasn't <laughs> going to be here because I think he would have gone off on her, her bravery. Um, are you interested in seeing Celine Dion at all? Nope. Okay. So zero, <laughs> zeros from both of us. Um, I did see her live briefly for the taping of a television show. Yes. It was about well my family. It. She was okay. She didn't say hi or anything. So yeah. last one and probably the most important one, Denko. So I want you to... Right, Get yourself in, in, a, in a good spot here. Mm -hmm. Guns N' Roses mm. starts a U.S. tour in July. September 23rd, they're in Columbus. Oh, no way. Who else is going to be near, near the Columbus, Columbus. Era, area well, on, the, uh, on September 23rd? The Live 95 tour will also yeah. be near that area <laughs> that same weekend. That's interesting. I'm going to look into that. So, so it's Guns N' Roses. Are they hitting, are, are they outdoor venues? Are they stadium shows? I would imagine, right? Like, like arena type know. shows. I, didn't, I wonder, I, didn't. I wonder who else is playing with them regardless. Uh, just the fact that we're in that area. I, I'm going to give this uh, two bourbons because it's interesting to me. It's actually the original lineup back oh, yeah. together again so hmm. slash will be there you know that, what i'd rather do is get slash to come golf with us on friday can we get that yes happen? <laughs> i don't <laughs> think so be, uh, we can try <laughs> he's got a show is he, is he on cameo <laughs> i'm calling him oh <laughs> uh, man i'm gonna give that one a four just because it's the original band back together i think that's a pretty good show mm -hmm. although um i don't think we should change any of our plans <laughs> no, to go to it but phil Thanks, man, for coming on and running this solo with me tonight. Uh, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the entire show without mentioning that junkie horse Medina Spirits second test coming back positive. So <laughs> have a great week, buddy. Uh, let's do this again real soon and hopefully bring some more of our friends along with us. Absolutely, brother. on the body's systems this basic res res this basic resilience the wizards took their first steps towards an improbable you also pronounce your Suski i did I, just, no, I, yeah. I can't even do it now it's yeah. one and done i'm one and done that's it <laughs> i'm one and done <laughs> you did a great job that's that so good to learn. <laughs> um yeah, I think it was because I didn't have it written down. I think if I was like <laughs> looking at it, uh, yeah. I would have fucked it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
why he's so good. He is so good. And I think he gets such a bum rap because they want him just to be Michael Vick 2.0. Yeah. And he's way better. I think he's way better. Uh, Jackson, Lamar, Lamar Lamar Jackson. Jackson. So I don't think you can. (laughs) Missed. Thank God. I missed every single second of today's track. Oh man. I was, I was watching it. That was like the perfect thing to do. Lay down, watch baseball. (laughs) And it will, well, obviously we'll get into it, man. It was, (sighs) it was awful. It was awful. We Um, should not looked really bad. Well, I'm sure we'll get into it, but we should not be getting, giving up that kind of run production to the Baltimore Orioles. (laughs) You know, it's like, come on. You just want to start the show? <laughs> Did, have we not? <laughs> have we not? We're recording. We not. No, we're recording, <laughs> but you, you know. Piece, uh, piece the intro in later. That's what all the other podcasters do. <laughs> what do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? Here to amuse you?